This is Lisa Miller and Associates, Florida Insurance Roundup, your podcast on the people, issues, and regulations shaping Florida's insurance market. Now, here's Lisa Miller. Welcome, friends. The Florida legislature ended its annual session on April 30 of this year, passing a residential property insurance bill, Senate Bill 76, and it was meant to cure a variety of ills in our state's homeowners insurance market. Senate Bill 76 makes some changes to how attorney's fees are awarded in claims disputes, but for many in the insurance industry, insurance agents, and even consumers I've spoken to, it's viewed as a watered-down bill, one that doesn't restore market stability, does not fully curb the enormous rate increases we're seeing, and, and it won't slow down what's going on at Citizens with its alarming growth. And it doesn't substantially slow the litany of lawsuits that come in every single day to insurance companies. As one of our guests on today's program summed it up so well, on the Senate floor on the final day of session, this bill achieves no more than 40% of what is needed and what was intended in the original Senate Bill 76. Joining us today on the Florida Insurance Roundup is State Senator Jeff Brandis, a Republican of Pinellas County, and he fought so hard with his colleagues for strict reform through this and a series of other bills this past session. He'll explain what the bill does and what his perspective is about what it doesn't do and, and, and the impacts, if any, positive or negative, including on what he has said repeatedly, Florida's real estate market. Welcome, Senator Brandis. Great to be with you. Thank you. And also joining us is John Henley. John, a vice president and head of claims shared services at UPC, works a lot in the litigation arena, one of the largest riders of our homeowners insurance uh, market in Florida, headquartered in beautiful downtown St. Pete. John previously served as UPC's litigation director and is a longtime claims attorney with a thorough understanding of what happens in, in insurance disputes. John, thank you for joining us. Pleasure's all mine. Looking forward to it. Thank you. So those that listen to our program and follow us regularly, they understand when I use the term topsy-turvy residential and commercial insurance market. We're seeing policy cancellations, non-renewals. Two or three orders just came out over the past 60 days, almost 60,000 policies being non-renewed. We're seeing underwriting restrictions. A couple just came out as of this week where every renewal has to be underwritten, uh, where certain counties won't be eligible for coverage. And of course, the double-digit rate increases that agents who are listening are feeling the anger of their customers who are calling their agencies and saying, what is going on? So if the senator will permit me, I'll call in Jeff and John. I'd like to talk about what this bill does and doesn't do. And what do you think will happen for some of the roofers and solicitors and plaintiff attorneys and those that are unscrupulous? We have many that are good, of course, but those that don't have the best intentions for consumers, what are they going to do to try to get around it? So I'd like to start with Senator Brandis, and maybe he share with us some of his commentary on the Senate floor. For those of you that didn't see it, we're going to put in our show notes the link so you can listen to his commentary as well as Senator Boyd, who sponsored the bill. So Senator Brandis, tell us what's on your mind this morning. Well, I think the key is when the Senate originally passed out Senate Bill 76 and sent it to the House, it was a very strong piece of legislation. Uh, in fact, it would have, I think, 
really gone a long way to addressing a lot of the challenges for marketplaces sees. Uh, specifically, it dealt with attorney's fees. It was a very strong, basically based on the Texas model of attorney's fees statute. Um, it had a very strong uh, provision as relates to roofs. Uh, and, and allowing for actual cash value and even stated value of, of roofs, because we know that's one of the major problems we're seeing across the state of Florida right now is is the rash of roof claims that's coming in. And frankly, insurers are responding uh, as they have to by limiting coverage on certain types of roofs or not writing on certain types of roofs uh, or ensuring that if they do write that property going forward, that the homeowner has to replace that roof before they're willing to write the property. Uh, those were the really kind of key provisions of that. It had a number of other provisions in the bill, but but uh, you know at the end of the day, it was the two main drivers. The two things that we really needed was to deal with attorney's fees and to deal with roof roof issues, as well as a number of other uh, medium to to uh, low end issues that that needed to be addressed in in the Florida insurance law. And again, this bill was very strong. It left the Senate. Uh, and went to the House, lingered for a couple of weeks. And when it came back, it was missing some very key provisions. One, it had a watered-down uh, attorney fee schedule. Uh, two, it did not contain the fee multiplier provision that was so needed by the industry. Uh, and finally, it, it basically had removed all the provisions as relates to actual cash value or stated value on roofs. Those three provisions really were the meat of the bill. And at the end of the day, while I, we still signed on to the legislation, you, you kind of were left asking the old, the old Wendy's commercial, where's the beef? Um, because it was missing a lot of, of what was necessary to be a comprehensive piece of legislation that would drive down rates over time. Very great perspective. John, you know, being the practitioner every day, listening to stakeholders from plaintiff lawyers, insurance lawyers, consumers, agents, you know, you follow this legislation closely. What is your thoughts about what this bill does, doesn't do? So I, I would agree with what Senator Brannis said on the floor when he said this, you know, this gets about 40 percent of the job done. And the best thing about it, in my opinion, is two things. Uh, the attorney fee provision is a step in the right direction. Of course, it doesn't knock it out. But it's so much better than the current paradigm where in for a penny, in for a pound. You know, they get one penny. And let's be serious. You know, this is a very amorphous situation we're talking about when we talk about repairs to property. If you line 100 contractors up and ask them to do certain work, you're going to get 100 different prices. It's not going to be on the money every single time. And the problem with that is now, and as until this bill is signed into law, is that all you got to do is have some kid out of law school hang the shingle, have buddy up with a public adjuster. Public adjuster sends them a couple files. They file a lawsuit, and it's pretty easy to get one penny against the you know hated insurance company. Now they're able to ask for $350, $400, $500 an hour times whatever hours they had and still request a multiplier on top of that. At least this does something to say, hey, look, you got to give us an idea of what the dispute is up front, which we have not had the benefit of in the past. They can just sue us. We adjust the claim. We think everything's fine. And then they sue us. They don't tell us what they're demanding. And we have to hunt and peck for months and months in litigation to try to even get there. All the while, they claim that that work is necessitated by them and they're claiming it as fees against us. So this allows for notice. 
I could not agree more with the senator. I wish it did similar to Texas's House Bill 1774 and gave a 60 days notice like originally contemplated. But, hey, I'll take the 10 days for now. It's better than nothing. And the fact that it essentially has if you don't if you get zero to less than 20 percent of the disputed amount, you don't get attorney's fees. That's great. At least give us some launching point to go from. And so go ahead. Jeff? No, I was saying, yeah, this, I, I think the key is that, you know, we need a provision in here. And I think hopefully that's what the, the 20% will do is to ensure that everybody comes to the table and acts reasonably. Mm-hmm. With the one-way attorney fees prior to this law, uh, what you would have had is, is people coming to the table and they had no incentive to be reasonable. In fact, they have an incentive not to be reasonable because if they got one penny more, all their attorney's fees were paid for. And so it really put everybody kind of in an adversarial position to begin with. Whereas I think this piece of legislation, at least with the attorney's fees provisions, brings people to the table, hopefully to be a, a reasonable actors on both sides. Very much so. And, and honestly, the second thing, the solicitation piece is great. It really is. I talk about, again, a step in the right direction. Um, the notice of loss truncation with regard to all claims, not just windstorm claims to two years instead of three with a third for the supplement. That's great as well. But what I'm truly excited about, and it may sound counterintuitive because it does put the, an onus and a burden on us as the carriers. Uh, I'm excited about the reporting, the annual reporting requirement and the transparency that that creates with carriers to the state about litigation figures, uh, loss cost, uh, adjusting cost, because I truly feel that that message, when, when the state starts to get that information and they truly see behind the veil of how much money this, this industry, this litigation economy in Florida is taking from carriers and insureds, ultimately, I think that it will be the, the kickstart to get the other 60% that we want done, done. I truly do. Let me ask you this before you respond to that, Senator. We heard testimony or debate on the Senate floor where uh, a certain senator would say that the one-way attorney fee is a misnomer. It's not true. There's no such thing. It's John, can you comment on that? Let's just once and for all put in the marketplace the six two, section 627.428 Florida statutes. We all use it colloquially and call it the one-way attorney fee statute. What is your perspective when someone says to you, John, that's just all hooey. That's not the case. It's not really the truth. Is it, John? No, that, that's being intellectually dishonest. It truly is, because that's what the statute is. And it's, it is the reason why, and, and credit to Commissioner Altmeyer for compiling that data, it's the reason why you know, 8% of claims in the country originate from Florida, but almost 80%, what, over 76% total? of overall litigation in the country from property claims comes from Florida. It's because no other state has that mechanism where one way, one way, the insured can get their fees if they prevail. And prevailing means anything. A a, a dime, a dollar, it doesn't matter. If they prevail and get a judgment in their favor for a penny, then their attorney gets their reasonable cost. Reasonable being a suspect word in this context, but that's, that's what they get. So it is truly a one-way fee statute. It does not contemplate a carrier's right to entitlement to fees if we win. So we could 
literally be embroiled in years of litigation, win, and still be out of pocket hundreds of thousands of dollars for defending ourselves on a frivolous lawsuit. Senator? Well, I think he's exactly right. I mean, I think that once that statement by OIR was made and, and clearly shown, it completely changed the dynamics and the tone of our colleagues in the House uh, because it's pretty, it's, it's undefensible. You can't be 8% of the total U.S. market of claims and yet 76% of the lawsuits. That is completely unsustainable. And that's largely what's driving both the cost of insurance, but also the, the investors out of the market. They're, they're really hesitant to invest in Florida market if all they, they believe that their investment's going to go do is go out to the trial bar uh, in attorney's fees. And that's what we've seen historically happen. So what happens, and I'll throw this to you, Senator, first. Let's just take us to January 2022. What do you, what's your perspective on what happens in the next six months, Senator? Well, I think some of the provisions will immediately go into effect. Obviously, the non-solicitation and other pieces will, will go into effect fairly quickly. But the big challenge is for the insurers is it generally takes you know 12 to 24 months for this to kind of run all the way through their book. And so they're going to have to rewrite their policies. They're going to have to adjust um, some of the, of the forms uh, and, and take into account uh, the new changes in law. But again, it takes time. And in the meantime, you're going to have one or two hurt. Well, you're likely going to have two hurricane seasons pass before the full effects of this legislation are felt. In the meantime, we have record high lumber prices, record high copper prices that are, are going to also play into loss adjustment expenses for insurance companies. And these are, you know, if in God forbid we get hit by a storm this year, the, the rate increases are still going to rise, are still going to come largely because this bill, while it's something, isn't enough. Mm-hmm. And while we hope that it begins to um, curtail some of the excess litigation that we're seeing, and obviously, the two-year time frame is going to have a significant impact on, on a lot of the fraudulent claims that we were seeing coming in in the third year. And frankly, towards the end of the third year, I was, as there was a rush to the courthouse steps in order to get your litigation filed prior to that term being up, ultimately, it's going to take time. And in the meantime, citizens will be most likely over a million policies in the next two years. And that means for folks like you, John, you're hearing it here that it's going to take this, you know, a year to two years, which, of course, those listening to this podcast, specifically from the legislative arena, if when we go back in January of 2022 session, and we say we need additional reforms, these certain legislators may say, well, let's let this one chill for a while. Let's let this bill see if it's going to take effect. To which, what would you say, John, if you were standing on the Senate floor and you heard that kind of discussion, we should just wait? Well, first thing, we are highly likely to see a deluge of litigation between now and the purported effective date of the legislation being July 1, because think about it. If you are a lawyer, a first-party property plaintiff lawyer in Florida, do you want to file a lawsuit that requires you to have a reasonable demand because your fee entitlement is now predicated upon uh, the percentage of your recovery as opposed to the disputed amount? Or do you want to file that lawsuit you have in your back pocket when all you have to do is not provide any notice and win by a penny. 
My thought is the latter. And so we fear that there's going to be a significant rush to the courthouse over the next two months. Uh, some of that we're already starting to see um, as an industry. So uh, you have to take that into consideration as the senator couldn't have said it any better. You know, this takes time to flesh itself out, number one. Number two, we are dealing with a very creative plaintiff bar here in Florida. Let's not forget, it wasn't that long ago before Senate Bill uh, 408 came out, I believe, dealing with sinkholes, that somehow the plaintiff bar got a bunch of judges to believe that structural damage should mean any damage to a structure, while grammatically asinine, that was truly believed. So we have to actually see this roll out and out and play itself out in a court system that has been historically uh, lenient towards plaintiffs. So we are not going to see significant uh, cooling and chilling of the environment that we're currently in. I suspect a flattening. I really do. I suspect a flattening as we see potential constitutionality challenges akin to the workers' comp fee reform that took place. Um, and other things, the, the pro proposal for settlement challenges. But I do see a flattening, but it, it's not going to go as the Texas reform did, which essentially the original bill was meant to do out coming out of the Senate, and that's knock it out, really knock out the frivolity of the lawsuits coming in. Yeah, I, yeah, I think we're, we're, you know, the insurance industry has significant headwinds right now. One, you've got inflationary pressures in the lumber and building supply industry and just supply pressures as far as labor goes that are affecting all of florida and that's going to be a major headwind probably for the next two or three years um that that really has to be accounted for in rates two you still have the roof problem that that was unaddressed by this legislation other than the the change in time frame from three to two years and that's going to continue to be a major issue that you're going to see ramifications for in in policies we're already starting to see insurance companies pulling away from the coast. Uh, and, and as they enter into the reinsurance uh, cycle and, and seeking reinsurance, you're going to find many of them just don't have capacity or don't have the ability to acquire the appropriate insurance for the reinsurance for the amount of properties that they're writing or the, in the locations that they're writing. And so uh, you've already begun to see companies pulling back or dumping policies into the marketplace simply because they they have to they don't have another choice because they're they're they can't raise additional capital so let's take this back to the consumers senator you have shared with me and i've talked to other members of the legislature their phones are ringing agents are telling me their phones are ringing consumers are really rising up and they're upset and and i know that all the legislative aides and agents that i speak with that have direct to consumer discussions are sharing the three main things that are causing rates go up, you know, excessive litigation, contractor fraud. We use the term claims creep, meaning that, you know, Hurricane Irma claims are still rolling in for the incentives that there are incentives to have those claims filed. So ultimately for consumers, John, and I'll throw this over to you, and you're, you have several hundred thousand policyholders, you know, how do you communicate to those policyholders, this is the state of play in Florida you know, look no further than those people that are knocking on your door. 
look no further to than other. I think there's like I think uh, Barry Gilway with Citizens has identified twenty to twenty five law firms that are you know posing almost sixty to seventy percent of all of our hundred thousand lawsuits that are filed right now. John, how do we communicate that we're all in this together? And, you know, the spectator sport of filing lawsuits needs to tap down. And it's affecting the very homeowners who are recovering from COVID, trying to go back to work, and trying to keep their doors open. John? Well, we do exactly that. We communicate it. We, as an industry, have historically, I don't believe, done a very good job of communicating with our our customers, our insureds. You know, we, we the, my teams say that our, our prime directive and our job is to protect UPC and its insureds, and to protect them. And this type of door knocking, fraudulent conduct will buy you a steak uh, to inspect your roof. Hey, you got one damaged shingle. Who knows when it's from? But we'll uh, we'll get you a free roof. You know, all that nonsense that we see consistently is driving rates to the point where, anecdotally, I think I've told you before, Lisa, that you know I live right here in St. Pete. I live in South St. Pete, and I love it here in South St. Pete. But I pay, but I pay three times more for a house that's three times smaller than one of my best friends who lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Why is that? It's not because I've got the, the Cadillac of coverage on everything in my home. It's because this. It's because of the claims and litigation activity that is driven by these bad actors. Jeff, I'm going to ask you this question. A certain senator on the floor of the Senate said this is a fabricated crisis, that insurance companies are cooking their books, that this is just the the sky is falling. What would you say to that senator if you were if he was on the other end of this uh, discussion that we're having today? Well, uh, I think it's important to point out that that senator also is a trial attorney. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I think he's sharing his insider perspective as being a trial attorney. Um, as much as he is sharing his senatorial perspective and trying to cons- protect the constituents that he serves, mm-hmm. this isn't a this isn't a made up issue. There's a real problem in Florida that is that really shows that uh, the insurance market is the Achilles heel of the state. And we saw this, you know, in Brigitte Waters when when flood insurance rates went through the roof, and I had people calling my office saying, "Where do I send my keys? Because I can't pay my flood insurance premium." We're we're you know, not far away from that happening in the state of Florida with property insurance. And unless we get our hands around this problem, we're going to have real challenges going forward. And we're talking about seniors on fixed incomes. We're talking about young families that are just starting out. Uh, and, And frankly, everybody in between that is paying essentially a hidden tax on property insurance, uh, that they're paying through their insurer to the trial bar. And that's what's causing, all of these problems, you know, you talk to insurance companies and what they want to do is service their clients, but they have to have a guiding set of, of principles and the, the math has to work in order to do that. And right now the math isn't working. In fact, I've had one um, certain uh, CEO always remind me there's only a hundred pennies in a dollar and there's just only so many ways that it can be sliced and diced. And I think the, what the both of you are saying is that the time will tell how that slice and dicing of that dollar uh, will occur. So, John, having heard the senator, you, you're listening to the marketplace. 
what are your thoughts over the next six months or a year and what can we learn and how do we deal with this new law with this watered down bill to try to make lemon out of this lemonade lemonade out of these lemons well piggybacking on what the senator was saying uh about the fabricated crisis that's being called by some people who conveniently seem to benefit from it. Um, what I would say is that, as we were talking about earlier, this is what makes me so excited about the reporting requirements. And the people on the other side that would say, oh, it's fabricated, uh, to hear an industry professional like myself say that I'm excited about transparency. I want the world to see this. Mm -hmm. We want to, to, and it's not every litigation claim to where we can hide anything else. This is on every single claim. Every claim now we get to share this information with the state as public record. So you know what? Here, look at it. To the extent that you think it's a fabricated crisis, then look at the data. So I'm very excited about that. That's going to help us in our messaging to our customers. Uh, it's going to help us in our messaging to the rest of the state to show that this is not us. This is not us trying to be bad actors, the big bad insurance company. We want to take care of our customers. We pay out millions upon millions of dollars every single year to our customers for covered losses that happen because of fortuity. Things that just happen. It's a shame. It's awful. It's terrible that it happens, but you know what? We're here to help protect your largest asset and you know this bill helps us in that regard is there more work to do you damn straight there is thank you John. we're very happy though that this is being done and we want to thank the senator for his good work in helping us do this thank you john and jeff will let you close us out well i always use uh, the growth of citizens or the shrinking of citizens as a barometer for the overall health of the marketplace and i know that when we started session just a couple months ago Citizens was growing at 3,000 policies a week. It is now growing at about 5,500 policies a week. And that is putting it on a trajectory to be well over 800,000 policies by the end of the year. We have to get this industry, this, this whole property insurance um, situation under control. We are on this incredibly unsustainable trajectory with rates that, if we had done nothing this year, would likely have doubled or more in the next two or three years. It, this is one of the biggest challenges the state faces. It's one of the most important issues the state faces because frankly, it affects every person, everyone, uh, whether they're renting or owning or in a condo pays for insurance. And as, as it stands today, Florida is one of the outliers in the country for the cost of property insurance. We have storms. We're always going to have storms in Florida. We need a robust insurance market that is competitive, that is aggressive, and that is fair in how it treats people. The legislature has to work together with the industry in order to create that. Uh, and, and this legislation, while a baby step in the right direction, I think, um, I think begins a broader conversation that ultimately is going to lead to reforms in citizens because they're desperately in need of reforms uh, and further reforms in the property insurance market in Florida. We have begun to address the problem, but there is a lot more work to be done. And that was State Senator Jeff Brandis, 
Republican from Pinellas County who joined us today on the Florida Insurance Roundup. And we have John Henley, Vice President and Head of Claims Shared Services at UPC in beautiful St. Pete. I want to thank these guests. And you can tell from our conversation today and from others that we've had recently, whether I've chatted with you on the phone or in other ways, that this reform passed may have modest impacts on two of the foundations, or some even say one and a half, but that we have to continue to work to make insurance available and affordable. And it and Senate Bill 76, you know, takes a passing blow at four major factors, excessive litigation, contractor fraud, what I'll call claims creep, you know, from hurricanes where the hurricane claims never end. And of course, it takes a glancing blow at the full cost of of reinsurance as those costs rise. So we'll be watching and reporting back on the impacts of this bill in the next 12 to 18 months. And I'm sure I'll hear from many of you that listen to these podcasts regularly of what it is, what its impacts are and what I call in the actual field when consumers are dealing with this every day. So in our podcast show notes, we'll have a link to various reports and information. We'll provide links to some of the debate on the House and Senate floor that you can hear the various members talk about what this bill does or doesn't do. And we invite you to like our podcast and to share it with your colleagues and your friends on your own social media platforms. And of course, as we always say, we want to hear from you. You can call us here at the Florida Insurance Roundup by dialing 850-388-8002. That's 850-388-8002. Or send me an email, Lisa Miller, all one word at lisamillerassociates.com. Thank you for being a part of this to our great listeners, to our great guests. And remember, we have a passion for public policy and client success in our firm. And I know you, for all your policyholders and the Senator Fish's constituents as well. So until next time, stay safe and thanks for joining us today. This has been Lisa Miller and Associates' Florida Insurance Roundup, your podcast on the people, issues, and regulations shaping Florida's insurance market. For more information on today's program, please visit us on the web at www.lisamillerassociates.com.